You know, I like it so much out here that I wouldn't live in town. <laughs> You're the second person who's told me that. Yeah, it's peace and quiet and everything is just what Except the <laughs> that was Post and Courier reporter Kelly Jean Kelly talking to a neighbor down the street from the Murdoch's hunting estate in Carleton County, South Carolina. The remote rural estate is where Alec Murdoch's wife and younger son were shot and killed on June 7, 2021. The once prominent attorney stands accused of their murders. He is currently in jail awaiting a January trial for the double homicide. In the meantime, the Murdoch's estate, often referred to as Moselle, same name as the road it's on, may soon change hands. Just months after it was listed for $3.9 million in February, a mysterious buyer has emerged to place the property under contract. Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from the Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover the story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. Today we're talking to Kelly about what the Murdoch Moselle estate is like and why someone would be willing to fork over millions of dollars for a property known as a crime scene. Kelly, you've been out to the property for a recent story. What's it like? Well, first of all, it's really isolated. It kind of straddles these two rural South Carolina counties, Colleton and Hampton. And there are some small towns around there, but the big cities, Charleston and Savannah, they're both about 70 miles away. So to get to Moselle, you have to wend your way back through a lot of farmland and timber plantations. And you get on a two-lane road. It's the kind with so little traffic that there's actually no line down the middle. And all of a sudden, there's this brick gate in the middle of the woods. Those gates show up a lot in the TV and newspaper stories about Moselle. I know, right? So in a tight shot, they look kind of grand, like it's this entrance to this really fancy estate. But I got to tell you, when you're there in person, the gates do not look grand at all. So the pine trees look grand. The sky looks grand. But in the middle of all that nature, the gates just look really small and kind of out of place. And what about the house? This is where the Murdochs lived, right? It was one of their houses, yes. So we're told the Murdochs, or at least Alex, used it as their primary residence. There is a lodge on the property. It's about 5,000 square feet. It has four bedrooms. The listing says it could sleep 15. But here's the thing. You can't actually see the house from the road. You can just see those brick gates and a metal fence and a keep out sign. Then about 100 yards away, there's a dirt road, and beyond that, you can see what just looks like the roof of a shed and the roof of the dog kennels. And that part is honestly the most compelling, because there's something to see, and also because Maggie and Paul were gunned down there, and that's where they died. I mean, that is why this place is interesting, right? Because it's the site of a violent crime. Is there anything there to indicate what happened? No, not really. Like, there's no police tape or anything like that. There is another keep-out sign stuck on the ground in front of the dirt road, but the grass has grown high enough to nearly cover it. The only sign that this place is notorious at all is all the trash in the ditch opposite the gate. I saw a Pepsi can, a tall boy, crushed Wendy's cup, like the pop lens from somebody's sunglasses, a broken reflector you can tell that a bunch of other people came and stood on the road, right where I was standing, taking pictures or straining to see. So that makes me think of other places that became kind of famous or 
more accurately infamous because something bad happened there. You think of something like where O.J. Simpson's wife died, something to that effect. In fact, real estate agents even have a word for those kinds of places. They're called stigmatized properties, and they tend to be really hard to sell. You had mentioned O.J.'s wife. Um, Nicole Brown Simpson's condo has been on and off the market a couple of times. It's been renovated, it's had a change of address, but nobody seems to stay there for too long. And there's another house that I think of, the house in Colorado where John Benet Ramsey, the little girl in the beauty pageants, so that's where she died. And that house went far below the market rate. There's a family who lives there now, and they're really trying to change the story of that house. They're really trying to make it a place of love. So if that sounds like a little nebulous or a little woo-woo, I have to tell you, a lawyer at the National Association of Realtors assured me that the history of a property really can impact the selling price. Here's Deanne Ramarowitz. The difficulty comes when you have a buyer who does not want to live in a house that has ever been haunted or alleged to be haunted, does not want to live in a house where um, you know, a, a violent crime has occurred. She makes the point that, like many other purchases, a lot of times people decide to buy a house based on an emotion. And many people don't like to feel their house has been associated with something violent or creepy. It's enough of a factor that a few states require sellers to disclose psychological stigma associated with a property, although what qualifies is debatable. Murders, sex offenses, running a meth lab out of the house, they're all candidates. Now, here in South Carolina, the state doesn't require disclosure. I mean, their reasoning is that a negative association is not a material defect. But... Agents can't lie about a stigma either, even if admitting to it reduces the price. What is going to happen with Moselle? What's happening now? Is it going for less because it's a stigmatized property? The broker says no. His name is Todd Crosby, and he's the owner of a firm that specializes in high-end recreational properties. And we talked about the Murdoch estate over the phone, and Crosby said stigma didn't factor into the price at all. Although I will point out that he rebranded the property by the name of a different road it touches, Cross Swamp Farm. But Crosby said at the end of the day, he just focuses on the property's highest and best use potential. So what could that be? Unclear. It is a pretty big piece of land. It's more than 1,700 acres. But Crosby said it's not actually great for either hunting or for harvesting timber. About 80% of it is in a floodplain and it gets inundated with water. He had this kind of funny line. He said, there's nothing special about that property. It's an average piece of dirt for what we sell. Do you think it will matter that two people were murdered there and pictures of it have been all over the news? That's a fair question, but I would say not after a while. That lawyer at the National Association of Realtors, she told me that most stigmatized properties have an expiration date. So as soon as the public forgets about the drama, the property loses the negative associations around it. But I gotta tell you, right now, Moselle, it still feels a little eerie. When I was there, there were these two gas lamps on the front gate, and one light is out, and the other is barely flickering. It's very spooky. There's these buzzing insects around. It sounds like an alarm. And as I was walking along, I saw this orange butterfly flapping toward the dog kennels, and I wanted to shout, no, no, don't go in there. (laughs) So I know that that can sound a little crazy, but I did talk to an expert on paranormal beliefs. His name is Barry Markovsky, and he's a professor emeritus at the University of South Carolina. And he said those kinds of perceptions are actually perfectly normal. 
Academics also have a name for this. They call it stimulus association. So it's, it's kind of guilt by association, I can't say. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, it's, on its face, it's a kind of silly, silly thing. It's like, does, uh, does the uh, jacket of the serial killer have some kind of cooties that, that make, make it undesirable for other people to own? Well, of course there's nothing physically there, but that effect absolutely is real. The effect it has on people is real. Paranormal cooties? Yes, exactly. Paranormal cooties. Here's Markovsky again. It's deep within our, our, our sort of primitive brains to avoid, uh, you know, that, that potential danger. So it's, it doesn't have anything to do with intelligence or, um, or anything like that. It's very innate. It's very, very primitive. So I found that affirming, that feeling creeped out in a place where you know something awful happened, that is a natural human response. There's even this website called diedinhouse.com where you can type in an address and a team of researchers will try to find out everything they can about what happened in the house. A lot of people really care about the possibility of ghosts or negative energy somehow. I talked to the founder of the business, Roy Condry, and he said he probably wouldn't be comfortable living in the Murdoch's house. I don't want to live in a house where it was a tragic murder, a suicide murder. So given all of that, what is the appeal of this estate? It doesn't sound like it's particularly good for hunting. You can't make a lot of money off the land. The house is nice, but it's not really a mansion or historic or anything like that. And potentially it's got some bad juju. Well, I will go back to what the neighbor at the beginning said. It's quiet. It's private. It's out of the way. The speculation is that someone local bought it because it's rural. There are only between, I don't know, 50 and 70 people who live in that area. I have to say, if I didn't know anything else about that place, I probably wouldn't even notice it. It's not like it's landscaped, and just down the road there's this kind of falling down house. It is completely unnoteworthy. But if you stop and get out and you spend some time walking around, you listen to the birds, you look at the wildflowers, you smell the pine trees, it is really pleasant. It is really a lovely place to be. And somehow that's what makes the tragedy all the more poignant. Thank you for listening to Understand Murdoch, a series of podcasts underneath the umbrella of Understand South Carolina from the Post and Courier, produced by Nathan Stevens, music provided by Lexin Music. We'll see you next time.